Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We really believe the next 35 minutes will help you. We pray God speaks to you through this week's message. I want to speak to you today about one idea. Really simple message. One idea. Keep believing. Keep believing. Keep believing God. Here we go. I want to read to you from Galatians chapter 6. And this is what it says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let's not grow weary of doing good. For in due season... We will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I think life really depends a lot on how we see God. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you say, well, I don't think so. My life doesn't depend on how I see God, but it does. You see, God is moved by your faith. God is moved by those things. So depending on how you see him, he will move according to how you see him. Does that make sense? So let me explain this to you. If you're a person and you see him as someone who doesn't care about you or doesn't love you, or if you don't see him as your father, guess what? When you pray, you're not going to have the faith to believe that he can help you. Would that seem right to you? But if you're the kind of person who sees God as your father, who, who, who sees God as someone who loves you, who sees God as someone who cares about you, when you begin to speak, when you begin to ask, when you begin to pray, your faith is something that will attract the presence of God. And when that happens, your life would be altered and transformed in some way. So you see, it is true that how you see God will dramatically in, in different ways affect and guide the course and direction of your life. It makes a difference. Look, if you see God as your father, you don't have come from a good upbringing. Maybe your dad wasn't a person who really cared about you. You're going to develop some ideas about God that maybe just really aren't true. If you see God as a judge, then every time you mess up, you'll be less inclined to come back to him because he's standing over you, ready to punish you for the things that you've done. If you see God as a judge, the way that you approach him will be very different than if you were to expect that he would lovingly embrace you with arms wide open and say, hey, just come with be with me, your sin is forgiven. So depending on how you see him can really change the course and direction of your life. You know, when we read scripture, sometimes we read things and God speaks to us in that. But depending on the idea that you have when you come to God, you can actually interpret some of the things that you read wrongly. Did you know that? You can read stuff and it might be great and it might be for you, but since you had the wrong idea about God in the first place, you just don't develop any faith from that and you just continue to not see God the way that you should. Have you ever sent an email to someone and 
and they've come back to you and maybe they're a little bit upset with what you sent to them. And actually, when you think about it, you, you sent them and it was a nice email. There's nothing wrong with the way it was worded. But depending on how that person was reading it at the time, yeah, you understand what I'm saying? When they're reading it at the time, they were in a dark place or they were in a bad place or they thought that you were already upset with them about something else and they read it. And everything that you said, the context is completely changed. Do you know that we can do the same thing when we read scriptures? That we can do the same thing when we look at God? Life really depends on our expectations And our expectations are informed by our faith. And what picture do you get of God when you're expecting something from Him and you don't get it? What happens if you're the kind of person who's been waiting for God to answer some prayers in your life? You've been wanting God to break through in your life in multiple ways and you waited all of 2014 and it didn't really happen. What what begins to come of your faith? What's the thoughts that you start to think about God? Do you let the, the scripture inform what you believe to be true about God? Or do you start to form a theology around your experience and say, well, I'm just really not sure if God's everything that he says that he is. And do you know that it's true that it's easy to develop wrong ways of thinking when maybe we're waiting too long for God to answer us in some way? It's really easy to develop wrong patterns of thinking sometimes. I think that is exactly why Paul begins with the passage that we're reading. And what does he say? He says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. You know, the root of deception is it's a lie. Deception is a lie. When people get deceived, what are they doing? They're believing something that's not true. They believe something that's not true, then they're being deceived. And Paul knows that it's easy for people to be deceived. So that's why he says that. And what's the deception, the biggest deception that you will ever face in life? Are you ready? I'll tell you right now that God cannot be trusted. Isn't that the greatest deception in life? Doesn't that throw a blanket over every other promise that God made? If you really believe that God could not be trusted, no one really, if you're a Christian, you're not going to say that. It's just a thought pattern that you begin to develop while you wait for God to answer your prayer. You just begin to maybe think that way. I want to tell you this morning, don't be deceived. If God promised you something, I promise you, I promise you it's going to happen. If God made you a promise either in his word or if he's made you a promise and he spoke it to you, if he said it, I promise you this, it is going to happen. In fact, you know what? Here's something that Jesus said. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. It is more likely that you'll wake up tomorrow and heaven and earth don't exist than it is for one promise that God made you to not come true. Now, I don't know a lot of people that are freaking out about the earth and heaven not being there tomorrow. Do you know, do you know anybody that gets anxious about that? Do you know anybody that gets really worried about that and says, but what if we wake up tomorrow and none of it's here? Well, if that happens, you won't need to worry about a thing. Trust me. <laughs> I don't know anyone that worries about that. 
I'll tell you what though. I know a lot of people that sort of say, but God, you said, but God, you said, when is it going to happen? But God, you said, but God, you said, I'm still waiting. But God, you said, but God, you said, I'm, uh, when, when are you going to break through? You've made a promise. I heard you say it. Don't tell me that I didn't. I wrote it down in my journal. I go back, I flick back, I read it all the time. You said this would happen and I'm still waiting. Have you forgotten? Let me tell you something. Do not be deceived. I don't know what plans you have for this year. I don't know what things God promised you in the past. I don't know what your plans are, but let me tell you something. Do not be deceived about one thing. If God made you a promise, maybe you didn't get it in 2014, but I'm telling you it's on its way. I'm telling you what you need to do is just keep believing God. Place every situation in his hands. Every situation. Some of you sitting here today, you think, well, this is great, but it doesn't really include me because I'm not really facing any challenges. Wait, just wait till the end of the week. Well, maybe the end of the month. You know, I mean, if you think that the, the, however good you are right now, that this is just going to last on into eternity, or well, you've got another thing coming. Uh, if you've been on the earth for any length of time, you'll know that you can wake up tomorrow and there's a diagnosis that comes to your door that you just never expected. There's something that comes to your door, something that visits your family, and it was, you had no idea. Of course, it was a surprise to you. Every single thing that comes to your door, every situation that you face, put it in God's hands. Safest place it can be. So, hey, let me say something. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. And even though God is not mocked, can I tell you that people try to mock him? People try to mock him. The situation that we're reading, the the context of Galatians 6 and what we're reading right now, is that God had made promises to people and they weren't happening. Let me tell you what the word mock actually means. The word mocked comes from the Greek word mukterioso, or as you should say it, mukterioso. Now, I'm not Greek, but I listened to that word about 10 times before I just said it now. And if I got it wrong, please don't tell me. It sounds like a pizza. It's not a pizza. It's actually where it's derived from the word which means nose. And this is the context of it. People turn their nose up at God. People sneer at God. People treat God with contempt. And why would they treat God with contempt? Because he's made promises to people and they're still waiting. And the context here is that the Galatians are facing persecution. And he's saying, don't worry, it's going to happen. Don't worry. I don't want you to worry about it. Maybe they should have had that New Year's resolution. Less stress, you know, I don't know. But that's what it means to turn your nose up at God. Hebrews 6, 11 verse 6 says that without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I, I tell you that simply because it's not enough just to believe that God exists. You have to have a theology around how he works. You have to have a belief system around how he works. If you understand that faith is the thing that moves God, then can you understand that mocking doesn't help? You know, and I don't know many people that begin by mocking God. Nah, that doesn't happen. And actually, the way things happen most of the time is most people start by believing God. It's just that over time, that belief begins to erode and deteriorate. And then people end up sort of not, not maybe believing God. And it's funny how that not believing God begins to turn and twist and it begins to change. 
in people's hearts. Uh, let, me, let me tell you something about this, the way that this can work in people's lives. If God made you a promise and you're doing it tough right now, that means your current context contradicts what God's word might say. Your current context might contradict the promise that God made. And while you're waiting for God to prevail, if you begin to watch other people succeed, I'm telling you right now that you could fall into such a big trap this year. I tell you the trap that a lot of people make, they look at their lives, particularly around this time. What did I accomplish last year? What am I going to do this year? And I tell you, this thing begins to happen to people. They begin to compare their journeys to other people. Or look how far they've come. Or look what they did with that year. Or look where they are now. And if you begin to be the kind of person who's running into a situation where you've been waiting on God for a long time for Him to begin to answer you and you're seeing people begin to advance beyond you, you're in trouble. You're headed for a trap. You're headed for the comparison trap. And the comparison trap is a deep and dark place. And if you end up in that place, I promise you, you're not, you're going to start to believe some things wrongly about God, particularly if those people that you're watching succeed in life, particularly if they have no relationship with God. Have you ever thought about that? You see people who have no relationship with God. They don't care about Him. They don't worship Him. They don't tithe. They don't give. And you think about your life and you're thinking, well, I'm doing everything right. I'm, t- I'm, I'm, I'm faithful. I give. I serve. I keep a good attitude. And my friends or my family or whoever it is, I'm seeing them advance in life. They're doing so much better than me. They don't have any of this. That is the beginning of deception. That's the beginning of the lie. And here it is. Let me flesh it out for you. Maybe none of this really matters. Maybe God's not really going to come through with what He said. Maybe He's not really going to do everything that He actually promised to you. And you know, the end of that road, this says that that God will not be mocked. And really, when people begin to mock God, they're calling Him a fool. But can I tell you how it really happens? No one really ever says that God is a fool. Do you know what they say? They say, I'm the fool for believing Him. They say, oh, I was stupid to think that God would come through. I was wrong to believe that. I'm the fool for believing that. Can I, can I tell you something that is so important? You are never a fool for believing God. You are never a fool for believing God. And the reason that that is so important is that you will be tested. And I want to tell you the way to pass is to just keep believing Things will happen this year, things that maybe you, you wish didn't. Keep believing. When God made you a promise and you're waiting on it, and deception begins to creep in and say, hey, maybe God isn't really going to do those things that He said. Well, maybe, what about this? All right, here's a much better one. Because the devil will never call God an outright liar. You'll see that coming. How about this? You heard wrong. Huh? Oh, maybe I just heard wrong. When really you know you heard right. And God confirmed it to you and he spoke it to you, but you start to maybe water it down. Maybe this is not true. Maybe this is not going to happen. I want to tell you, there is a universal principle in life. Everyone knows this. Everyone knows for thousands of years, people have known that this is the way that life works. And I want to tell you this today, this morning, because as you begin to think and maybe prepare and maybe make some plans about your 2015, I think that this principle will serve you so well. And you can think about it. 
It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Of sowing and reaping. And this is what it sounds like. You will hear this many times. People say it just like this. You'll reap what you sow. You'll reap what you sow. And it's a principle that so many people understand. And some of you have been waiting for God for maybe a long time. You've been waiting for God. And maybe he hasn't been answering you. It might be something to do with your business. You're waiting for God to break through in your business and you, keep, you, you are being faithful. You don't cheat on your taxes. You're waiting for God to break through and you're still waiting. <laughs> you're still waiting. It might be a relationship issue, something with your spouse. You're married, but maybe marriage isn't going so well. You're fighting about the kids. You've got all kinds of issues going on in your heart and in your world and, and you don't want to show anyone and, and, and you're waiting for it. And while you're waiting for the things that God promised you, Bitterness starts to creep in. Offense can start to creep in with God. And you start, your heart starts to darken and starts to turn. Don't carry any of that into this next season. Oh, please don't do that. Don't carry anything from any, any. Let's not begin to develop a theology around failure and think that that's the way that God works and then carry that wrong belief, that deception into our new year. Why would we want to do that? God's not moved by that. He's not moved by lies. But I tell you what, he's moved by faith. That's why you've just got to keep believing. You keep believing. It doesn't matter if your situation currently contradicts your circumstances. Just keep believing. Can I tell you something about the way that they used to do, um, they used to sow seeds in the Old Testament. I learned this recently. I heard it on a podcast. I can't remember um, who said this, but this is the way that we would do it in modern times. You would find a field that was full of good soil and then you would plow it. And then once it's plowed, you would plant your seeds. Is that, I mean, I'm not a farmer, you know. Oh, that's how I do it. Who, who else would do it like that? All right. Some of you could be farmers. All right. That's how, that's how I would do it. Do you know in the Old Testament, they would get the seed and they'd throw the seed out. They begin to walk around. They throw the seed out all over the ground. And as they throw the seed out, right, after they go and get the plow afterwards and they take that, and they look at where the seed's been thrown and they plow after they've sowed the seed. Isn't that interesting? I, I thought, how can you people be so daft? I don't understand. They plow the ground first, but this is the way that they did it. Who am I to say they're wrong? I'm not a farmer. So if you understand this as a principle and you had the plow, where would you go? You'd go after the seed, wouldn't you? So what I'm really saying is, is the seed attracts the plow. And what happens often in life, this is how people do life. They don't look for a good field and just begin to sow and be really intentional about it. Oftentimes people do life and they're scattering seed. And then afterwards they begin to cultivate something that they saw that they've already planted if they thought about it, they'd never do that. But people do life wrong all the time. They plow wrongly. The seeds that they've sown begins to attract them and they go after the things. They didn't give thought to where they put it in the first place. People begin to cultivate wrong thoughts and wrong ideas. They begin to plow wrongly. 
And all kinds of wrong things can begin to grow and cultivate. I think that it's January. I think that January is a great time to think about what you're sowing and more importantly, where you're sowing it. What are you doing with your relationships this year? What are you doing you know, with your family this year? What are you doing with your money this year? Where are you going financially? What are you doing with your job? You know, it's a good time to think about where you're investing time and energy and resource. Just think about it. Because most people, the time, the energy, the resource, that's the seed. And people sow it into all kinds of things that are not productive, like Facebook and all kinds of things. You know, and they spend time and energy in places that will just not yield the right crop. Think about it for a moment. Where are you investing yourself now that is not actually helpful to you? It's so easy for people to just begin with an idea, say, I want to end up here, but be living a lifestyle that completely doesn't line up with where they want to end up. You've got to think about where am I sowing my time, my energy, my money. And this is what Paul does, and he picks up this idea and he says, listen, you can sow to a couple of places. You can sow to your flesh, which is really, your flesh is like your wrong desires of your heart. You know, it's just things that aren't godly. You can sow there or you can sow, you can sow to the Spirit. I was thinking about this and I was thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is what the Bible says. I'm going to skip a slide here. This is what the Bible says in Romans 6.6. 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Hey, can we just take a little sidestep away from the message for one moment to just think about this? If your old self was crucified, well, how can you sow anything to it? Isn't it gone? Or maybe if it's not really gone, you're not really saved. Maybe you don't really have a relationship with Jesus if there's the possibility that you could still sow seeds to that flesh. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I began to think about it. I can tell you something right now. Lots of people over, over the course of history have thought about this one idea. If our old self has been crucified, how can we continue to sow seeds to it? I began to read some books, and I read books by two Johns. One guy, John uh, Brown, and the other one, John Stott. And they're separated by about 100 years. The only thing they have in common is really their name there. And so John Brown, he writes this about this verse. And now I feel like a... Like when my grandma would press the buttons hard at the TV as if it was going to work. There we go. This is what he said. True Christians do not succeed in destroying it completely. I'm talking about your fleshly desires, your wrong desires. True Christians don't succeed in destroying it completely while here below, but they have fixed it to the cross and they are determined to keep it there until they expire. John Stott picks up the same idea. And here's what he says. He says, crucifixion is certain death, but it's a slow death. It's certain death, but it's a slow death. In other words, when you become a person who decides to follow Jesus, what happens is your old self begins to be crucified to the flesh, but can I t- crucified and, and you nail that to the cross. But can I tell you something? What those things need to do to die in your life, you just need to leave them there. You need to leave some things on the cross. 
Because if you don't leave those things on the cross, you'll begin to sow seeds into them. And you can take those things that maybe you didn't really want to, you can begin to take those things off the cross. Yes, your old nature was nailed to the cross, but if you begin to invest into it, guess what gets resurrected? You know what happens? You begin to take it down. You begin to take it off the cross. And here's my point. If you don't want to reap negativity, the truth is there are some people here today who are going to have to nail something to the cross this year and you're going to have to keep it there. And it might be a daily battle and it might be a daily thing. You have to wake up every day and say, I'm not going to let that thing get on top of me this year. I'm not going to let that thing come and get all. I am nailing that thing to the cross and I'm going to sow into the Spirit because you know what I want? I want to reap eternal life. So what is it last year maybe that maybe you didn't nail to the cross? Maybe that's the same thing that you've been praying about. God made you a promise you're going to move past this, but you just haven't. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's, it could be a whole heap of things. What is it this year that you're going to nail to the cross? What are you really going to nail this year? If I sat down with the average person, there's all kinds of stuff that hinders us. Even Paul the Apostle said that. He said, I've got a thorn in my side. Something keeps hindering me. What's hindering you? What do you need to nail this year? Maybe you've got to do it daily, but you've got to nail something. And you can begin to actually move forwards in life and not let that stuff ruin this year. I'm telling you right now, keep believing. It's going to be a great year. Keep believing. God's going to do something amazing with your year. Can I give you a little tip whatever happens keep worshipping keep praising keep believing keep singing keep reading keep raising hands keep getting before God Keep doing those things because you know what those things are? If you want to understand practically where how do I sow to the Spirit? Because it sounds great when you read it. How am I going to sow to the Spirit? What does that even mean? That's what you do. If you begin to do these things, you're going to reap something. In fact, you know what? The Bible says, and Paul wrote, that if you sow, you're going to reap in two areas. He, he actually makes two promises in the passage we just read. The first promise, he says, if you keep sowing to the Spirit, what will you reap? You'll reap eternal life. And all, you, you see that and you think that is awesome. So all I've got to do is endure this life. And when I die, then I get eternal life. Well, that's just awesome, isn't it? You mean I've got to go through all of this and then... When I die, that's when the good things happen? Because Paul says something else straight after that. He says the other thing that you'll reap, you'll reap a season here on earth. You're going to reap something. Why why would he talk about eternal things and earthly things if they weren't different? He says, if you keep sowing to the Spirit, if you keep sowing there, you're going to reap eternal life. But if you don't grow weary in doing good, and if you don't go up, there is a harvest that's coming but there is there is that catch there's that catch you just don't give up don't give up 
If you need a season here on earth, listen, trust me, the greatest thing about the gospel is that that you get to spend eternity with Jesus. But there's a really great thing that happens while you're on the earth, which is that heaven comes to earth and which is that your current situation and context can be completely turned around by the God that you serve. And the one catch that God gives us, He says, hey, don't give up. Don't grow weary in doing good. So can I tell you something this year? Just don't give up. You know, people don't start by giving up and people don't start weary. People end weary. Do you know how people end weary? By trying and failing over and over. They end weary. And what I'm saying to you today is don't give up. Just keep believing. If God made a promise to you, I promise you, whatever He said, it's going to happen. Whatever you're waiting for, it's on its way. How do I know that? Because He said it. It's more likely that the earth will disappear tomorrow than His Word will cease to be valid. It just doesn't make sense. Your life might be a contradiction right now, but there's a season of reaping coming. So you know what? When you see an opportunity to do good this year, do good. Don't get better about the things that you're waiting for. Don't begin to compare your life to other people. Don't begin to question God and don't begin to question the fact that you actually heard Him. If you heard Him and you got a conviction about it, keep believing. Keep believing. Keep loving. Keep doing good. Keep helping people. Keep being kind. Let the fruits of the Spirit come out. Let people actually see that God lives in you. Let people see your faith and let it shine as a light to the world. You know what? God will not be mocked. There is a season on earth that you've been waiting for. I'm telling you, you will not leave this earth until it happens. Because how do I know that? I know that because God promised it to you. So here's what you need to do. Don't get discouraged and don't give up. So the season that God has for you can be experienced while you're here. Is that okay? Why don't we stand this morning? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.